Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Straight to business, my first guest today is one of our finest actors who's enjoyed success across radio, television, film and theatre. Among many accolades he's been bestowed with, he's an Olivia Award winner who's bringing his acclaimed trilogy of plays to the Drihid Arts Centre tonight, tomorrow and Saturday. Pat Kinavan, how the hell you been? Jerry, I'm great. I wish I could put you in my pocket and you could say that about me all over the country. <laughs> it's great to be here and thank you so much for having us on. Not at all. Colette is here with me from Drogheda Art Centre as well and we're delighted to be back in Drogheda. We've been here over the years with the individual shows of either Forgotten, Silent or Underneath, but this time we're back with the trilogy One Night After the Other, tonight, tomorrow night and Saturday night. And can I say to listeners, and I mean this sincerely, you have an opportunity here in the Northeast to see this great man firsthand. He's taken this all over the country and beyond. And it's on our doorstep here this evening, tomorrow and the following night. And I just want to say there are tickets available from drehid.com. That's the website. Or if you want to call, the number is 041-9833-946. That's 041-9833-946. And there is a deal for the three nights. Isn't that right? I there, think there's there a deal. There is a deal for so the three nights. So if you go to all three, there is a big discount there for them. €45, Euro, is it, for the three nights? Oh, folks, will I tell you? Three in one for 45. Jeez, you couldn't beat that. It's on Stockwell, isn't it? Yeah, Stockwell Street. Stockwell Street. You know what would be great now? To have a big queue up the stairs and people baiting each other and everything. Because <laughs> I was in Glasgow. We were in Glasgow last week with the trilogy, right? Yes. And when I came in this morning, so we were take, we just literally have transferred the trilogy from Glasgow to uh, Druid. And uh, I was, we, were on, we were staying on Stockwell Street. In In Glasgow. Glasgow. Now, isn't that an irony? So we need it. We need rows and everything outside the drive tonight. <laughs> I want the ticket. Give me the ticket. 
<laughs> dragging it and ripping them and everything. It'd absolutely, great, absolutely. And do come along tonight if you come along and Walk they look in. after you there. Walk in, they look after you. I promise yeah. you this evening. Listen, tell me this. We were, I was upstairs thinking about you coming, and we had a great laugh the last day. We, I, I so remember when we chatted. Thanks, Jerry. You know when it's a one man show? Is that literally it? Is it you? Is there anybody else there with you? You know, doing the backdrops, the set, the direction around thing, or is it just Pat Kinavan? Well, during the day there is. We're working with brilliant John in there now today, and James is there. And to, uh, later on, my colleague comes up from Dublin, uh, Gerard, and everyone gets... As it's a big team effort. It, it's top-heavy with lights and sound. And then once it goes up, it's really like we're, we're like a team. You know, I'm looking up to the lads. I know the lads are up in the, the, the technician's box and everyone is kind of conducting everybody else. So there's a, a big concerted effort. But in the end, really, it's about from... It's 8 o'clock onwards. Isn't that, Colette? It's 8... It's you. Yeah, it's It's all about Pat. Now, tonight you start with Forgotten. That's the first one on this evening. There are, this is a play about four people who are of an age, who who are elderly, and you play four different characters here. Is that difficult, switching within a play from one to the other? It's kind of, at the start, always when you're starting off a project, Jerry, you're finding your feet. It's like anything else. It's like when you wallpaper for the first time. Do you know what I mean? It inevitably comes down. But then you just stick it and you say, I, I look, it's up now, it's scratched. People say the lines, you know, the, I can see imperfection. You go, I don't care. Right. That's the part of it. Like, whatever the day informs me, I'm in good old form now today. So the performance will be different from any other day. Do you know what I mean? But it's we're well into it now. Forgotten this the show tonight. That's nearly 13 years on the road. Oh my. And that's oh been my. all over the world. And, and of course, it metamorphosizes, obviously, over those 13 years with your mood and uh, as times change. Yes. Yes. I mean, forgotten really, I, I wrote it because I was very concerned about how elderly people are treated in the country. And actually, 13 years later, things haven't changed that much. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We're doing our best. But, you know, it's about really this piece, forgotten really. It's, it's funny as well. But it's, it's about people's dignity. You know what I mean? And about people's uh, grace and, 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 you know, how, how they're treated as, as they get older and a sense of respect for, for growing old and, and looking after each other as a community. The show Tomorrow Night Silent is about homelessness and mental health. That's eight years old. I didn't think, I, th- I thought it would be finished after two years. There My you go. God, you're on the nail with that one but as like, well. I, thought they, I honestly thought they'd, they'd, they'd have a shelf life and that would be it. But And they're funny and they're dark, but, you know, we, we people have been great. Audiences have been building all the time. And we're very, uh, look, personally, I'm very, very lucky to be working and to be you know, out there meeting people. Mm. And, and that inspires, one one piece inspires the next piece. Mm. And then on Saturday night, underneath, completes the trilogy, yeah. a woman not outwardly beautiful. That's right. Not Well, it, yeah, not outwardly beautiful. A woman that has been uh, damaged physically as a child on, on her face and her body. And um, and the challenges of having to go through life uh, with uh, so-called imperfections and how you're judged. And, you know, we were only talking about this, actually, collecting myself beforehand. You know what I mean? The, the pressure that's on women and young women in particular to look in a particular way. Mm. And it's something that I really always wanted to talk about. You know what I mean? Uh, I grew up with two very strong and beautiful sisters, but I saw how they met challenges in their teens and everything else. And it's almost as if we might, it seems to me that we're kind of, we're evolving one way and we're, we're going retrograde another because, you know, for all of the brilliant uh, 
Me Too movement that is looking after women and get, you know people getting the respect that they deserve. Then there's other there's other things that are happening where people are becoming marginalised and people are being judged on the size of their waist or do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and how how beautiful they are and and so I I read it's up to people to kind of interpret the work their mm. own way. But it's my way of kind of just you know adding in to that and dropping in. Uh, little observations. Mm. Uh, the word in my mind as you speak about all three of them is timeless. You know, they, they are now timeless because the issues are as alive and relevant and important today as when you started with all these. The other question I wanted to ask you, when you switch from play to play, mm-hmm. never mind characters were in a play, but night to night and, and it's a different subject matter. Is that a challenge as well? I don't know because I'm usually really drunk at the time. <laughs> never. No money, man. <laughs> I just wanted to see your face. <laughs> you should have seen your face. It just... <laughs> I just said, we're heading for a break. No, no, no. no it was no, fantastic. Right. I actually have very chocolate to you. No, Jerry, it's, it's actually... <laughs> it's part of the... I suppose it's part of the, it's part of the job, really. Mm. I'm a very... I'm a very kind of... Uh, I'm a very... Pra- you know me a long time, Colette. I'm, you know, I'm a working class boy from Cork. I put my head down. I do the work. And you just have to... You have to uh, commit yourself to it. Uh, the hour and a half you put your head into it it's like playing a match and you come out the other end, end, end of it and you, ju- you just want to deliver for the audience you, I understand that people have to get parking and they have to get babysitters and they make a commitment to come to the theatre and it has to be appreciated you know what I mean you, you give back you just give the energy mm. back and try and entertain people and take them out of, out of the you know what I mean the worries of the day or whatever you know? I could never see you being without energy no matter what life brought you away you are just a live wire and that comes across so really uh, so real to me today as we sit here in the studio let me ask you this you know when you, you've done this X amount of times and you mentioned the wallpaper there early on she might fall down the first time but after that do you do you need to rehearse ever or, or is it just now second nature to do all of these three to you Oh yeah, I'd have to like I. What I'll do is I'll go. I go over the script of each show each day. You know that I'm doing it. Do you? I do. Yeah, and I go over it all in my head, and and I have my own sort of. I suppose sometimes they're they're kind of. I suppose they're little OCD things that you do. You kind of go, uh, and because I love writing as well, uh, it's that thing of you know be be prepared. You know what I mean? Yeah. Prepare to fail. That, that yes. kind of thing. So I have my own little kind of rituals that I do. No, you know, I, it's not that I'm turning off the light, you know, sixteen times in a row or anything like that. But I'm like, I'm and God help us. But I'm what I'm doing is I go through stuff, my own ritual, and once I feel, and it's odd. You know, if anyone saw me doing it, they'd be saying I'm going through the page there now, and I have everything laid out in the dressing room in a particular way. But it, you know, as the man says, you know, you have to cope. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all a little bit mad, Jerry. But the people who say they're not mad are the maddest of all. <laughs> Look, this guy is in the northeast, and it's a privilege to have him here. He's at the Drid Art Centre with three plays, his famous trilogy. They've been done all over Ireland and all over the world at this stage. Forgotten kicks it off tonight, the twenty seventh. Silent, the twenty eighth, and underneath is uh, the uh, one on Saturday evening. Pat Kinavan will be there and we're going to talk more to the man himself right after this break. The brilliant Pat Kinavan is with me on Late Lunch this afternoon. He's bringing his trilogy of plays to the northeast, the Drihid Arts Centre, starting this evening. Pat, you know when you're on the road and you're here for three nights uh, with us, how do you kick in the time? You mentioned the rehearsing and that as well. Do you have any plan or do you go with the flow? Do you enjoy it? Do you have lots of free time? What do you do? It depends on the venue, really, and it depends on, uh, like, w- with the trilogy, I'm kept going every day. 
and I love it. You know, the, the, the time flies in and I kind of look forward to the eight o'clock start. And once that happens, really, it's I, I don't kind of sometimes I don't remember like because you're in the show. I suppose if it's like if, if you were swimming hard for like 45 minutes, your head is kind of all over the place. But all you remember is that you're wet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I kind of go, what happened there? Do you know what I mean? I kind of go, but I know that each show is different. I know that each audience is different. And every time we've come to Drahid, the Drahid audiences are amazing and, and, and people enter it. And it and so therefore, if I go down to Navin or if I go to Kerry, it's a very, you find that there's a very, very different feel to every audience. So each show is unique. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'll, I'll get myself a bit of R&R now later on. I'll, I'll mm. have an hour I might lay down or if there's an old walk, I'll go on that or, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, what about afterwards? You know, you put so much energies into your performances, I know, and that is draining physically and mentally. What about afterwards? What, what What's your regime then? Well, I, I have to kind of debrief very, very quickly. I, I, I realised, you know, as a very young man when I was doing it, you'd end up really hold your adrenaline is still in your body and, and that's fine. But you can't sustain that, you know, and as I get older, I have to debrief very quickly. So like I just get I forget about it straight away. Forget about it. Uh, lots of water, uh, shower, forget about it. It's yes. over because it's otherwise finished. your your, your mm. body is pumping mm. too much. And that's not good for it's not good in the long run. Mm. You know what I mean? Because, you know, your ears could fall off or I don't know something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, and I'd Could hate never that. be as severe as that. Yeah. Not at all. Imagine if your ears fell I'm off, you wouldn't be able to, to put the earphones that. on anymore. <laughs> I'm just trying to now absorb that here. Yeah. If, if, my, if I hadn't got my ears, would they still? Would that headset still? I'd have to glue it on some type of way. Was that? I don't know. I just I wandered there. Sorry. No, I but you know what's going to fall off, Pat? People's uh, thumbs are going to fall off with these things. You see these things here. You're going to get a generation of people uh, in the future that won't have thumbs. Oh, that's right. You yeah, know, they evolve the, into death. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. We'll have the four-fingered four human being with the way things are going. Tell me this: when you've performed uh, in fabulous venues around this world in this country here. What do you love? You know, the Drihid is intimate. You know, it's a very intimate surrounding tonight. Yeah. W- what's your favourite? Well, the Drihid is, is very intimate, but actually you, it has a great vastness to it as well. So, mm. you, you know, when we strip it back, which we have done for the shows, it's actually quite a big, big stage. Even okay. Though it feels that way. And sometimes the layout of a venue can be quite deceptive. Do you know what I mean? So it's one of those really that it can it can kind of accommodate sometimes the the bigger epic moments in the piece are the very very intimate, mm. um, and I think that's that's the kind of the the heart of a venue really is that you can never really tell whether it's music or dance or poetry or drama when it when you're there and it you know you're taken out of your head and you're watching it and you're going. Oh my god! I don't know where I am here, but um, I love them all, and I, I I love playing the bigger, like the double size stages as well, because you just get a different kind of an energy from it. But all in all, I'd be really honest with you, Jerry. Like I'm, I'm since I was here last as well. Like the whole thing is is about health, you know, and that I'm very healthy. Thank God, I could drop in the morning. Any of us could. Mm-hmm. So while I'm still going, I love working, and I'm very fortunate, and I'm very humble that. I'm able to work and I'm still working in the business because a lot of people, you know what I mean, the opportunities aren't there. So I'm, I'm the luckiest boy and I give thanks every day for it. Do you, do you remember a time you played to a tiny audience? Was it, what's the smallest audience or the most intimate venue you've ever been in? I think the first time we did Forgotten was we played to about six people or something like that. 
and um, really, yeah, and two, six and two of them, like from the two of them before we started, fell asleep. <laughs> So we had three people. Yeah. I think it's the Guinness Book of Records yeah. one we're talking and, but about. But like, you, yeah, yeah. you go and just bang it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it doesn't matter who's there. You just go, right, I have to do this. I'm going to do this and I'm going to get into it. And But yeah, it, it varies all over the place. And then you get, you get, you know, you get, you get venues where, uh, especially when you're abroad. I mean, it's like we played in Finland recently and we, there were surtitles. So there was titles above the stage going across translating it. And like, so for every, for every, we'll say joke in it. Um, you know, it takes a bit, of, it takes a while to get used to it, but you, you go, boom, there's a joke. And then five seconds later, <laughs> you get the last. So you have to, you have to kind of wait because, you know, and at the start you're kind of going, this is terrible. I'm going to go home. But actually, it's just, you know. It's, it's like a transatlantic call. Yeah, you it know, is. On radio, yeah. when you have to wait and there's that pregnant pause and then it comes. We're on a delay here, Jerry. I can't hear you properly. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It, it, you know, you just have to adapt to mm. where you go, and uh, and I love I love traveling. The older I get, like you're going to different venues in different countries, and you learn about them and places that I couldn't afford to go to at all if if I wasn't working. But I'm working, and Culture Ireland are really good to us because they help us when when we're going abroad with Fishamble. You know what I mean? They look after us, and you know, in that sense, I suppose in our own little way, you are kind of in that you it's quite ambassadorial in in its small way because you want to deliver the best you can because you know you're Irish and and people are coming to see an Irish play or an Irish piece of music you know uh, like you had the the flat here recently and you realize that our, our stuff is known all over the world yeah whether we like it or not mm. do you know what i mean you go abroad with drama it's the same thing you know people go oh my god you're from ireland you've got a, such a history in, in in playwrights and everything else and you kind of go oh my god the pressure's on now but <laughs> You go do it and humbly. Yes. You know. What about Cove and home? Do you get back or are you more or less on the road a lot of the time? My beautiful Cove. Um, I'm out of Cove a long, long time mm. now, but my family are still around yes. there. And my mama. Hi, mama. I love you. And uh, oh, she's not listening to this. But anyway. Oh, she'll get it on podcast she, later. She'll get it on more. podcast. Yeah, yeah. She has a, she's an app on her phone as well. I know I know. Pat's mum has LMFM on her iPhone app. She does, you yeah. You didn't know that. She does, yeah. She's got a transistor in the kitchen. <laughs> and it's 96 FM from Cork. I think she listens there. But anyway, it'll get, it'll get back to her. It's it a small will, country. It will, it will, but sure. yeah, she's still down there and my family are still down there. And I love it. It's, a, it's absolutely stunning, um, stunning town. You know what I mean? But like that, I, I think uh, why, and maybe that's why when I come to Drahad, I love it. I love it when you have the water beside you like that. And it's a port town as well. And, you know, all of that. Is uh, I I kind of I miss that living in Dublin, even though mm. I love Dublin. Mm. I miss that sort of. There's a sense of bigness, but there's also a sense of a, a community that looks after itself as well, and artistically. Like Colette was telling me stuff about you know on the river with the with the tall ship and all that kind. Yes, of, you know there's a lot going on here, and has you know what been, I mean? and it's getting greater all the time. For you, you know, you, you're doing this fabulous trilogy. What about? new work and working on new stuff I've got a new piece it's funny you should uh, ask and thanks uh, Jerry. I'm, I've got a new piece with Fishamble they're an amazing company and look after me um, it's opening on the 7th of November and it's called Before and it's a new piece brand new piece and it's um, on in 10 venues all over the country for November and December and we just had the biggest thrill recently because the score of it was played by the RT Concert Orchestra and Tremendous! Then, and it was one of the best days of my life watching them playing it. It was amazing, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. So you really have something special to look forward to then. But just remind everybody: this brilliant guy is in the Drihid Art Centre in Drogheda for the next three nights. Forgotten—that's this evening, 
Silent Tomorrow and Underneath is happening on Saturday. Three brilliant plays, a wonderful trilogy, rave reviews wherever it's gone. Don't miss out. I promise you, you'll love it. There's an offer on the three nights for €45. What a deal that is. 041-9833-946. That's the Drehid. 041-9833-946 for bookings. Or drehid.com if you want to go online. Or you could rock up to the door this evening. And I'm sure Colette Farrell and everybody there will make sure you get to see this wonderful man. Pat Kinavan. Thank you. A pleasure, Jerry. See Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Rider, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance. The Little Flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, is one of Ireland's most enduring and favourite saints, a connection that's brilliantly explored in a new book by husband and wife duo Colm Keane and Uno O'Hagan, who I'm delighted to say are both with me on late lunch this afternoon. It's great to see you again. Thank Thank you very much. Great to be here. I want to ask you first off, before we get into the book, Colm, 27 books, seven number one bestsellers, and Una, no more news on RTE since February. (laughs) How are you getting on? Well, we're still talking, which I think is a good sign. No, no, no divorce yet. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no. no, it's gone very well. I mean, we we wrote a book before. Uh, we had one joint project together, and we kind of thought we wanted to do another one. And uh, Therese seemed the kind of the, the perfect um, perfect person. To yes. Explore. So mm. we've enjoyed it, haven't we? Oh yeah, it's been brilliant, actually, Manji. Yeah, uh, we've been together. Don't forget for about thirty years, Jerry. And um, we've been through a lot uh, in that time as well. We're both journalists, so uh, we know where we're coming from in relation to writing a book. It's worked out well. And this was in the offing, Una, before you actually yes. stopped the news reading. Yes, it was, absolutely. I was... Um, uh, Colm had done, as you know, a number of books on Padre Pio, and uh, he had come across the fact that Padre Pio was a real fan of Therese. So... Typical column. He decided to read Therese's autobiography, Story of a Soul. He was blown away by it. He got me a copy of the book and I thought it was fantastic. I mean, column calls it one of the most profound Mm. books he's ever Mm. read. And we wanted, as I said, we wanted a project to do. And we just thought that Therese would be fantastic. She's such an interesting personality. She's got an amazing philosophy. And an, and an incredibly tragic life story. Mm. So it was all there to explore. Yeah, and you know, the link from Padre Pio when you joined us last time yeah, around yeah. is very, very interesting indeed because he was a devotee of her. He was, well. yeah. And they overlapped uh, slightly by about 10 years. Mm. When he was 10, she died. They never met, of course. Yeah. But uh, he read her autobiography when he was a seminarian, would you believe? And it was only just out and he really was blown away by it uh, and loved her, you know? And uh, I must admit, I was so pleased to buy the book myself. I bought a copy for Una because I refused to part with my own. Uh, I, You know, it's one of kind of like about 10 books that I have that are really treasure possessions. Well, I think that really says it all, doesn't it? Tell our listeners about her, when she was born and her early life, Colm. All right. 
Well, uh, she was a, a French uh, Carmelite cloistered nun uh, from the late 19th century. Uh, she was born in a place called Alençon in Normandy. It was kind of like a big town, a small city. And uh, it was very famous for lace making. And her mother was a lace maker of note. She was really very good. And her dad was a watchmaker. So between them, they were pretty wealthy. They were well enough off. And they had nine children. Uh, four of them died uh, young, which yes. would be common enough at the, at the time. And five of them lived on. All five were girls. And the whole five, they ended up going into convents. Isn't that amazing? Uh, of all five in a family yeah. that would become nuns. I know, it's amazing. You, you couldn't imagine it happening now. Mm. Even then, it mm. was out of the ordinary. But they were an incredibly close family, a very religious family. But they weren't boring or dull. I mean, they had a great sense of humour. You can read their letters uh, between them all. And they were very lively and, and good fun. I'd like to have met them. Mm. And, and interestingly about her as well, you mentioned the, the children who didn't survive, you know, four mm. from nine it was touch and go with Therese for a while wasn't it it it, it was yeah yeah. when she was born uh, the mother was very worried by then the mother had developed uh, a lump on the breast and um, people thought at the time just a lump on the breast turned out to be cancer of course four years later she died but the net result being that she couldn't breastfeed Therese and Therese began life brilliantly. The mother had been worried, you know, losing four children before. And, uh, and then Therese started to go downhill. So she was handed out to a wet nurse, um, uh, a woman called Rose Tai. And by the way, Jerry, it was very important. She lived out in the country. She was a farmer's wife, small farmer's wife. And uh, she used to bring... Therese out into the fields, out there in a wheelbarrow, and while she worked away. And a beautiful image, but the important thing about it was Therese grew to love flowers when she was out there then. And that's, of course, why she ended up calling herself the the little flower. It came from there. She loved nature, didn't she? And animals as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lovely story in the book. It's it's one of my favourites about when she was 11, she wanted uh, to get a dog. She asked her father for a hairy animal. And he said, but you have rabbits already. She said, no, I want one that'll follow me around. (laughs) So she ended up with Tom the Spaniel and they were inseparable. Um, When she went to Rome at one stage, when she met the Pope, um, one of her cousins wrote and said, Tom has been crying after you nonstop since you left. But the problem was when she went into the convent, she had to leave him behind. And her sister, Celine, um, witnessed this particular scene when her father had died. The house in um, Lisieux was being closed up. The furniture was being divided and some of it was being brought to the convent. And Tom followed the carts carrying the furniture down the street. When he got to the cloister, he sensed that Therese was there. He managed to get his way in. How he got in, nobody knows. And when he saw Therese, he jumped up and down and licked her face. She was so upset. She had They had these big veils. She covered him with her veil. Uh, uh, but then she had to leave him. She oh, to, my. My, oh, my. Another heartbreaking story. I mean, it was a very tough mm. life for her. She really had to leave everything behind. But poor old Tom must have been heartbroken. Mm. Oh, I'd say a lot of people can empathise with that story. You know what I mean? Yeah. A pet that you have to be parted from or they, they pass on or whatever. Mm. 
she found it difficult. School she didn't like, and and, no. and, and she was bullied through her life, even into the convent when mm. she went to become a nun. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was a very bright and a very sensitive girl. Uh, that might have been part of her problem, really. Uh, at school, there was another girl, a very big girl, and she wasn't very bright. I was lucky enough, actually, to hit an article written a long, long time ago, about 75 years ago, uh, by a nun who taught her. I really came across it by chance. And uh, it was very difficult. The girl pushed her around. She would end up, you know, at lunchtime, uh, off on her own, under a tree, and um, she hated school. Uh, what's really interesting about that, uh, there were various sites in Les Eaux associated with Therese. Her home, the Buissonnet, there was the Carmel that she ended up going into, there was a basilica built in her name, and then there was the school, the Benedictine Abbey. And in World War Two, when the bombs rained down on Les Eaux, it was the Allies just before D-Day, uh, everywhere was perfect. The whole of Lisieux was destroyed. All the sites associated with Therese were perfect, except for the school. Ah. <laughs> uh, I think there was a kind of a rough she justice. revenge from the yeah, heavens yeah, yeah. at long last. And do you know, it fits. <laughs> it really does. Just before we head to our, our break, just uh, Una, the 15 years of age to become a nun was a very young age. She went to Rome. She appealed to the Pope. Oh, yeah. There was no stopping to raise. If she wanted something, she got it. She decided when she was 14 she was going to become a nun by 15. She was refused permission to enter the convent by the Mother Superior, by the Bishop. So she said to her father... I've got to go to Rome, I have to meet the Pope. So herself, the father, the sister, all went off uh, to Rome. They got an audience. At the time, it was absolutely forbidden to speak to the Pope, to question the Pope, anything like that. But when she got her turn, she held on to his knee and said, Holy Father, uh, would you let me become a nun in the uh, convent in Lisieux? And he said, well, whatever the superiors decide, which was a bit of a fob off. But she tried again and she said, well, if you say so, which is very clever, because if he, if he had said so, it would be... Oh, fine. she put him on the spot. Oh, she did. <laughs> I read that intensely. <laughs> yes. And he said, oh, uh, in, if God wills it, which was another fob off. And she was quite upset by this. But he, he put his hand on her cheek. He blessed her, looked after her very intently as she left. And of course, all of this caused scandal in Rome that anybody could speak uh, to uh, the Pope like this. But whatever happened... Therese entered the convent aged 15 years and three months. My God, it's a remarkable story. And this is a remarkable book, folks. It's called The Little Flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, The Irish Connection by Colm Keane and Uno Hagen. They're with us today on Late Lunch. And we have a number of signed copies to give away. I know there's a huge following for Therese here in Ireland. We're going to talk about that in a few moments, that link between Ireland and ourselves. Would you like a signed copy of this book? Here's the question. It's not too difficult. In which region of France is Lisieux? What region of France is it based in it's a well-known region of France have a look at it there you'll find out text us or whatsapp us the number is 086-1800-658 that's 086-1800-658 whatsapp or text with your answer and your details back with Colm and Una in a few moments Colm can I come back to you uh, about her and this (laughs) amazing little way tell us about this and her yeah Uh, we talked uh, a bit earlier about her love of flowers she adored flowers and when she was young 
not only with her wet nurse, but also with her parents, you know. She would go out into the fields, the countryside, and she would admire all the flowers. And she noticed there were different types of flowers. There were the great flowers like the roses. There were the little flowers like the daisy or the cornflower or the poppy, of course. Normandy's covered in poppies. And she thought... You know, they're all important. They're all beautiful. And God must love them all. And they must all be part of a bigger picture. You can't have one without the other. So she said, all the flowers are important. Then she said, well, you know, the great flowers, like the rose, that's a bit like the saint or maybe the cardinal or the archbishop. And the little flowers, like the daisy, uh, that's probably like, you know, the housewife or maybe the farm labourer or like me, the little flower. And she said, so we're all important, just like the flowers in the eyes of God. And then she went one step further. And she said, no matter what you do, if you're a saint, like the rose, you're doing great deeds. But if you're a little person, you're doing little deeds. You might be a housewife at home. You might be washing the kitchen, cleaning the clothes, looking after the babies. But she said, that's just as important as what the the saint is doing. And the key to it was, she said, what you have to do, no matter who you are, little or big, you have to do what you're doing, do it well, do it to perfection, and then offer it up to God. And she said, that is your little way to perfection and your little way to heaven. But isn't that that so true today? It, it, It holds for eternity. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't think of... It's more relevant nowadays in a way than it's ever been. When you think of, uh, Colm and I were in Dublin, what was it, Saturday, Sunday. If you walk around, you see the number of people who are begging, the number of people who are homeless. Of course, it's not just Dublin. It's all around the country. People are finding it so difficult just to get a home to live in. Carers, people looking after, you know, relatives and getting no no thanks or whatever, or recognition for it. We've got not even multinational companies anymore, global companies. The little person doesn't seem to matter. Little shopkeepers don't seem to matter. But Therese would say, Everybody matters. Everybody is mm. important. Mm. And I think we really have to remember that in the, nowadays. Yes. Her life was short, but her impact back then, ever since, and even today and into the future, is and will be enormous. She was only 24 when she passed away on September 30th, 1887. In fact, her 131st anniversary is just mm. coming up uh, <clears throat> this very weekend. Um, but, you know, a short life ended. Why? Yeah, Yeah. well, I'll tell you what happened first of all. She got uh, tuberculosis um, when she was only 23. Uh, She told the story Holy Thursday, uh, 1896, and she was going to bed at night and um, climbed the stairs, blew out the lamp, was lying down on the bed. I mean, it was really just made of boards. And then uh, this liquid came up from her chest into her mouth. Now, it was dark. And she knew what it was. Everybody back then knew what it was. Tuberculosis, pulmonary tuberculosis. She waited in the morning, looked at her handkerchief. It was covered in blood. And she had a terribly tough time after that. Um, You know, she couldn't climb the stairs to her cell, had to stop in every step. Um, She really, you know, couldn't breathe properly. And then eventually, uh, the following year, she was lying in her bed in the infirmary. They knew she was going to die. The sisters, the nuns came around her, her own sisters who were in there too. And um, 
Uh, and she asked her sister, Pauline, she said, uh, am I good enough, Pauline, to go to heaven? And Pauline said, you are. And she later said, couldn't think of anybody, you know, better equipped to go to heaven. And then she said to Pauline, am I going to die, Pauline? And Pauline said, you are. And she looked up at a spot in the wall and uh, as if she was looking at somebody, like a lot of people do. And she said, uh, my Lord, I love thee. And she sank back on the pillow and she passed away. And, and, and that was the end of Therese. And by the way, there's one adjunct to that, which I have to say. Pauline said afterwards, you know, when she had been sick in the infirmary, there was a little robin who used to come in and accompany her. And then when she passed away, there was this chorus of little birds at the window. She never heard sounds like they produced on that particular day. It was really sad. Isn't it amazing? Now, was it appreciated or known the great gift she possessed in life beyond this life uh, at the time of her death or soon afterwards? Did this materialise quickly? It materialised pretty quickly. I think at the time in the convent, the the people who knew Therese knew she was very special. That's why they asked her in the last year of her life to write down her philosophy. They knew she had something that was very worthwhile saying. And that became her autobiography. It was translated into numerous languages all around the world. Uh, the English language version came out in 1912, and that's when it really took off. Um, we have a story of a, a Dennis Doherty. Um, he was the Archbishop of Philadelphia, and uh, he became a cardinal. And he was a great devotee of Therese. This was around 1912-1913. And he went on a, a world tour. And he went to Japan. And he got a copy of Story of a Soul in Japanese. He went to China, got a copy in Chinese, went to, uh, to um, the Middle East and got one in Arabic. I mean, that's what that was the global impact that yes. she had. And then, of course, there was her miracles and cures that brought her to <clears throat> even further public attention. Yeah, and when, when you see, like, actually... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
the time, 26 years after she passed away in 1923, she was beatified, just to give a timeline mm. on it. Sainthood came in 1925 for her. And she's got a very, very special title that people mightn't realise in, in relative recent times. In 1997, she was made a doctor of the church and her parents have been subsequently yeah. uh, Canonised, have they as well? Yeah, yes. they have been, uh, yeah. Uh, by the current Pope, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, three years ago, just only. Amazing, yeah. isn't it, Colm? It's extraordinary. And uh, in fact, another uh, sister of hers, uh, Leone, might be canonised sometime in the future. I actually think Pauline, another sister, should be. She had a big role to play in her life, was a wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was really explosive. And one of the biggest reasons, you know, was women. Um, back at that time, uh, women were nobody. Uh, you know, if you think about it, I know it sounds absurd to say this, they couldn't vote, they didn't have cars, they didn't have mobile phones, they didn't have credit cards, they stayed at home, they produced babies, and they had no role, no vote, nothing. And uh, along came this woman, Theresa Lizieux, who said, you matter. And all these women, I mean, if you really think of, and I think of it because I grew up in the 60s, an era of women's liberation, she was really one of the first to stand up and say, you're important, stand up for yourself, you mean something. And it was that huge support for her that forced the hand of the church. I mean, I'd love to be able to say they all immediately loved her. The church is not that quick to respond. Of course. But they were quick because they had no choice. Yeah, <laughs> It's a brilliant point to make and uh, to context the times and the times of a woman mm. at that time as well. Stay with us on Late Lunch. We have loads more to talk about with Colm and Una. I remind you the name of the book again is The Little Flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. And if you'd like a signed copy, there's still plenty of time. The texts are pouring into us here and on WhatsApp as well. 086-1800-658. The question is, in which region of France is Lisieux? Send us your answer and your name and details through those numbers as quick as you can. And you could be reading this book very, very shortly. We'll be back in a couple of moments. All eyes on the President of Ireland, leaving his London hotel to get down to business with British ministers. And in Downing Street, so many people gather, there might be another political crisis. The statesmen arrive not at the Prime Minister's house, but at number 11 Downing Street, home of the Chancellor of the Exchequer. And after Mr de Valera has posed in the doorway... The cameras swing on to the men who are putting Britain's and Northern Ireland's point of view. Oh, I love it. His master's voice. Colm, they're probably in late lunch land thinking, what the hell is happening in there? Yeah. Why are we hearing about Eamon de Valera <laughs> going back? Explain the link with Therese. Uh, I will. 1938, that archive comes from. Um, it was the Anglo-Irish trade agreement negotiations across in London. Eamon de Valera was representing Ireland. Neville Chamberlain was representing Britain. And uh, they were very important. It was just before World War II. The ports were up for grabs, never mind trade. And uh, de Valera attended all those talks with a secret weapon. In his pocket, he had a relic of St. Therese. And it was really interesting. He got it from a priest who was a friend of his, and he thought, no harm can be done, I'll bring it with me. And the Talks went really well. He brought the, that relic in and out of Downing Street every single day. And because they went so well, afterwards he said, I have to go to Lisieux and give thanks. And he went down to Lisieux that September and he met Pauline, uh, the sister of Therese. Therese now, of course, was dead 40 years. And he showed her the relic. 
He had a copy of Theresa's autobiography uh, in Irish, of course. And uh, he also said to Pauline, he said, I'm losing my eyesight. And um, he said, I would appreciate if you and your sisters prayed to Therese for me that I might get a cure. And uh, Una did tons of work on this in Dublin. She found a lot of letters between De Valera and Lisieux the Carmel um, and asking for this cure. Now, he never got it. Um, he ended up actually virtually blind yes. by the time, you know, he, he died when he was 92. But the big thing was he stayed on as Taoiseach and he became president and he developed the most amazing memory. I mean, we've watched him on video and he's trying to look at a page and you can see he has no clue what he's reading. But he delivered famous speeches like in America in 63 to the US Congress. He got rapturous applause, standing ovation. And maybe that was his miracle. Maybe maybe that's what he I got. was going to say that. Yeah. She came to him in another way, not through the way. eyes, but in his other senses. There were so many miracles and cures, Una. Talk to me about one that's maybe special to you. Uh, I suppose the one that's special to me is the one in Glenties in Donegal. It happened 1913. This was the first Irish miracle that was reported around the country. It was a woman called Mary McNeilis. She got purple fever and then developed septicemia and uh, she was dying. And the whole family were praying to Therese. Um, One particular morning, uh, their little girl came in and she was holding, uh, her name was Kathleen. She was holding a little posy of uh, snowdrops and uh, they were wondering where she got the snowdrops. It was January after all. And they they asked her where she got them from and she said they were given to her by a nun who came down from on high and was dressed all in white. And the nun said to her, give these to your mother and you she will be cured. And they, they the house was up in a heap. They didn't really pay much. She was only four. There were no nuns in the area. But they put the flowers in a vase and the scent began to pervade the house. And Mary McNeilis began to get well pretty much instantaneously. And her doctor said afterwards that her health after that episode was better than it had <coughs> ever been before. And uh, the father uh, of the Mrs. McNeilis's husband said, uh, Therese has a very gracious way of doing good on this earth. Mm. And that miracle, reports of that miracle went to Lisieux, went to Rome, and were all part of the movement that led to her becoming a saint. My God. And in 1926, a movie called The Vow. Mm. Uh, I know it came to a cinema here in Drogheda. It did. It did. It did. It did. And there were huge crowds yeah. turned out to see this. How do you know that? Oh, well, I, t- I do a bit of research like you here, here, here am I actually <laughs> doing the interviewing. But there weren't many places in the country. It was a French film. Mm. And uh, do you know what was really important about that? The director, very cleverly, uh, he said, now it was a silent movie and all that, but he said, let's do some of the filming down in Les U. So he brought the star, and I won't go into the story, it's too complicated, like all the silent movies, but they went down there and they filmed in Les U. So it's very rare footage from 1925, actually, yeah. when they filmed uh, down there. But it went to about five venues in Ireland. Amazing, you pick up on this mm. from the book. The Grand Central in Dublin, and then here in Drogheda, went to, I think, Longford, Sligo was another place, Cork. 
at a venue and that was about it yeah. but there were queues everywhere for this and yeah. it displaced you know it's like today you know this little upstart of a movie comes up and knocks off the big budget yeah, movies yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, the yeah, silent yeah, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. of the time the other thing in more recent memory I'm sure that a lot of people listening today would remember and I remember it very well again in a local context with the queues when our relics came to Ireland in 2001 yeah it was absolutely extraordinary two to three million people went to see the relics she was her the she was here for um 70 no 75 days went to 90 plus different venues one of which was Drogheda um and i've looked back on the papers uh, the local papers and they're just beautiful articles mm. written and the photographs are so evocative people lining the streets her, the relics were brought to the medical missionaries of mary That's auditorium right. yeah yeah uh, they went to me as well went to athboy and then came back to the visitation um uh, the visitation in Stamullen. Um and it was when you think nearly two to two thirds of the population turned out. Those uh, lovely uh, flower sellers were there, of course, because she's so associated with roses. They were all selling red roses, but apparently some really smart ones were selling, uh, you know, blue flowers for Our Lady. You know, talk <laughs> about maximising your amounts. But it was a very. It seemed to be a very reverent moving kind of a time that people got an awful lot of spiritual kind of nourishment as it yes. were from from this event it was quite extraordinary the essence of the book is the irish connection mm. why so close how so close the reason my god um there were quite a number of irish bishops archbishops who took a big interest in therese from the very beginning irish americans they had the money, by the way, and they were able to go from America over to Lisieux. And then they brought the word back to Ireland. There were people, you know, from Mayo and so on. There was a big connection. Irish newspapers took a great interest in miracles. And, um, you know, there were all sorts of miracles reported. Irish people love miracles, you know. Uh, we're also a Catholic nation, or we were even more so then. Um, so these stories seeping in, they began, we did a huge amount of research on this. From 1911, the first stories are coming in. I mean, that's only 14 years after she died. So there was this kind of interest and fever. The following year, the book is published in English. Uh, it's for sale in Dublin. A guy called Duffy in Westmoreland Street is selling it. O'Keefe's down in Cork there selling it. Six shillings if you had the money. And, you know, this fever built, built up uh, around her and about her. And uh, before you knew it, she was... I mean, you can't walk into a church now without seeing a statue of Therese. You can't walk into a housing estate but you'll see Therese, Les St. Therese, Carmel, Le Buissonnet, the name of her house. doesn't really matter what. It became almost like fanaticism in a way. And another uh, one that jumped at me when I was reading the book was on the cusp of World War One. Uh, that pilgrimage, an Irish pilgrimage, headed off for Les Hugh. Hugh would travel, I think, with the, the people right. involved. You know, yeah. it didn't matter. The world was about yeah. to, you know, kick I know. off. I kind of wonder, they headed out from North Wall in May... 1914, and you wondered they were heading out into what was going to be an apocalypse. Mm. And yet they did the whole tour. But really, you, World War One is crucial 
in the rise of Theresa's fame, particularly particularly in Ireland um, and obviously in Europe as well. But there's something so poignant. It was such a dreadful time for people. And, you know, soldiers on both sides of the war were praying to the same saint. Mm. But there were numerous reports of apparitions of Therese, tendings, dead, the dead and dying soldiers on the field. Um, we have a number of stories of miracles, soldiers who were shell-shocked, people. One um, chap, he uh, was a lance corporal, and he was under fire. He um, During a big bombardment, I think it was Maysen, he was holding on to a, a Therese prayer card. Um, he survived unscathed when in fact he was covered in shrapnel um, so that was huge mm. absolutely huge in mm. bringing her name forward. Can I say to both of you you've done a marvellous job you know oh, we, we've you. touched yeah. on aspects of the book mm. today I could talk on to you till the end of the show <laughs> I promise you I, I enjoyed it that much myself when I read it and it's a book I highly recommend uh, to anybody who has a, a devotion to the saint if you don't if you just want to learn about this mm. wonderful woman and I can see from both of you she's really touched you Absolutely. She was just, there was an Irish priest who called her a generous and loving soul. And he wrote that in 1912. And I think he was absolutely right. She is. And if you want to allow her to touch your life, what better way than to get this lovely book? It's called The Little Flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, The Irish Connection by Colm Keane and Uno Hagen. And I do want to mention uh, your lovely late son, Sean, who you dedicate this book Uh, to because there are many parallels there as well, I know for yourselves. But it's brilliant. And uh, thank you for coming to Late Lunch today on LMFM. I've really enjoyed it. The time has flown by. It's been so interesting. And we Uh, enjoyed it too, by the way, hugely. (laughs) I know that. And look, if you've last last word on this, if you want to sign copy of this book, we have a few copies uh, to give away and Colin Manula will sign it. Again, the question is, where is Lisieux in France? The region of France, where is it? 086-1800-658 is the text or WhatsApp number. And this brilliant book is available all over the place. It's on the bookshelves and watch Watch it. Number one bestseller. It's my prediction today. <laughs> Callum Keane and Uno Hagen for the moment. Thank you very much indeed. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, Renault dealer of the year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. Our wedding giveaway. Yes, we uh, named our first finalist yesterday. We are five to find for the grand finale in the new Village Hotel. €15,000, folks, it's worth. I wonder who's on the line today. Would that be Claire O'Donoghue? Hello. Yes, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Oh, what are you doing to me? I'm going to be in tears soon. Well, I needn't ask a stupid question. Are you excited? Or, or, or what? Oh, uh, my just God. Just a bit. Just a bit, Claire, yeah. Claire O'Donoghue, congratulations to you. You and Graeme Ewart are finalists. You're in the final five for the wedding. What does this mean to you? Oh, well, it just means I'm going to have to get him to marry me now. But, like, no, it uh, means the world to us. Like, this is... A dream, like, you know, things like this don't happen. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. don't happen to everyone, so this is incredible. So I take it you're available for Saturday week, the 6th of October, to come to the beautiful Village Hotel with himself and a few of your friends, yes? Yes, definitely, definitely. That we'll, is uh, great to hear. Tell us a little bit about you and him. How long do you know him? 
Um, I we've been together now seven years. It was um, like we were together a while, but the start was pretty much a rush. We moved in together very, very early, uh, about a week into our relationship. I a moved week? in with him. Yeah, I know it's mad. <laughs> when you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it when you know, you know. So talk about being impetuous or what. So after a week, you're in together and you've been together ever since. And um, you have a couple of lovely young little children, haven't you? I do, yeah. We have a newborn now. She's two months and a three and a half year old. Um, so our two girls, they're like, you know, they're just the centre of our world. And, yeah. um that, like you know, Daddy loves those girls. Like he's absolutely surrounded by girls. But I hear a great the centre of your world in the background there behind yeah. you at the minute. I understand that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where did you meet? We met in work. We both worked in um, Sky in Belfast, right. and um, he didn't talk to me now for a couple of months. He was a bit shy. But um, then eventually we went out one night and we got talking and he said he'd been watching me all along, oh. me and my legs. He oh. was <laughs> yeah. So you're the woman with the long legs, are you? I'm the woman with the long legs, yeah. Fantastic. I can't wait till Saturday week myself now at this stage. Anyway, oh, where, is get the guns out. where is he from? He's from Glasgow. Okay. He's from Scotland, yeah. And you're and, from? Um, I'm from, uh, we live in Mornington, so oh, my whole good. family live in Betty's town. Oh, so and, you're only uh, a, a kick of a ball away from the village. I know, I know. We went down to it to have a look a while ago. It's gorgeous, yes. like. It's an absolutely fabulous place, so. It really is. It really is fabulous. Well, look, congratulations to yourself, Claire and Graham, and we're going to meet you and your family on Saturday week in uh, the beautiful new village hotel. 15,000 euro and you're now in the final five you're the second finalist (laughs) (laughs) so you're within touching distance now of winning this fantastic prize you may give him a shout and tell him it's getting nearer I know I know anyway good luck to you thank you for taking our call and we'll be in touch with you and see you Saturday week take care bye 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 that's Clara Donoghue there and Graham Ewart they are our second finalists in the dream wedding giveaway worth 15,000 euro from the village the new village hotel in Bettystown in County Mead number three will be called and named tomorrow on the show four on Monday and the fifth finalist on Tuesday stay with us on Late Lunch News and Sport next the Late Lunch with Blackstay Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. Four-star Headford Arms Hotel Autumn Wedding Show takes place in Kells this Sunday from 2 to 6 and includes new wedding packages and the launch of their newly renovated bridal suite. woo In conjunction with their Autumn Wedding Show, the Headford Arms are offering one late lunch listener a chance to experience the luxury of their newly renovated bridal suite. An overnight stay they're giving for two people along with a bottle of Prosecco Dinner at the award-winning Vanilla Pod restaurant. Oh, that's a great prize. And we're giving it away right now on Late Lunch. You have to get your answer in before the end of the show as quick as you can. Here's the question. 
a silver anniversary. How many years are we talking about? A silver wedding anniversary. How many years are you celebrating? Your answers as quick as you can to 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp and somebody will win that lovely prize. Remember, this weekend, the Headford Arms, 2 to 6 on Sunday. If you're considering tying the knot, the books, yes, the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. Colin Manuna with us a little bit earlier on there. The answer was Lisieux is in Normandy and the books are going to Anne Gosling, David Moore and Mark Jones today. Well done to all of you, the signed. Just reminding for you as well, staff from the Ombudsman's office are at the D-Hotel in Drogheda until 7 o'clock this evening uh, giving advice, listening to your complaints. We talked to them on late lunch a couple of days ago. It's a free service, tea and coffee available while you wait. That's the D-Hotel at the moment till 7 this evening. And reminding you, the Dundalk Railway Heritage Society have a lecture on the Great Northern Railway and its closure by Charles Freel and an exhibition of photographs of the workers and Dundalk Railway Works. It closed 60 years ago, 1958. This is happening this Saturday, 29th of September, 3 o'clock. Doors open at half two at the beautiful Oriel Centre, Old Jail, Carrick Road, Dundalk. Admission is free. If you'd like to give a donation, it would be appreciated. And everybody, welcome there. Sinead Brazel is waiting by. Hello. Hello. I just wanted to ask you, when do you put yours up? What kind of a question is that? I don't know. It's a straight enough question, like... Am I having a counselling you... session here or am I being interrogated in the Garda station? What are you talking about? No, no, about? no. When do you put yours up? Like, is it up? Do you, do you put it up too early? Like, or very late? I know what you're or, I have like, you. I have you caught me now. I, yeah. I know what you're getting at. You're talking about that thing that happens on the 25th of December every year, is it? Well, it would be very late if oh, you were putting it, it up now on the 25th Halloween? of December. Decorations? No, no, no. Not Halloween isn't only an old pagan holiday. Christmas. When do you put your tree up? Sinead, do you know what date it is today? It's the 27th of <laughs> September. Have you lost your blimmin' mind? Well, Nick, normally, Jerry, I, like, I am into the Christmas festivities and all that kind of thing. You know I am, but not nearly this early, like in September, when I'm sitting here in a T-shirt in studio, you know, talking about Christmas. But oh, I am Sinead. feeling a bit festive and a bit sort of jingle bellsy because... Sinead. We have a special guest joining us shortly. We have. But we, hold on a minute. Before we mention that, will you cool the jets? Do you know it is the 27th of September? We have a lot of things to happen before then. Halloween in particular is a big celebration. And we know children love it. And it's really... It's only about sweets. Let's uh, just be honest. No, no, no. It's Trick or treat. That. Tricking and treating and bonfires and going and seeing these spooky uh, things that are set up now around all the, the northeast every year for it. And, and they look forward to that and they dress up for it. Will you relax? Hold on a minute. Leave that till December. You know what I mean? Just wait till December. December, yeah, Jerry. Listen, too late. Too late now. Come on. December. Time enough in listen, December. Listen, once the kids are back at school, it's time to be thinking about Christmas. Well, you know what? She is getting at something all right yes. because a lady is going to talk to us next and believe it or not, she has everything sorted for Christmas already. I can't believe it. Elizabeth Kerwin, hello. Hello, how are you? Tell me it's not true. Have you your Christmas shopping all done? I have, yeah. Yeah. Complete? Everything got. For everybody? Yeah. Anybody I had on the list today is well looked after. Elizabeth, come on. It's the end of September. That day is the 25th of December. You've loads of time. Yeah, but she comes around the same time every year. You just get a few things every now and again and you don't feel them all piling up. When do you start? Um... I start kind of annoying to me. If you're out shopping, 
and you see something and you say, oh, that'd be nice for her, or that'd be nice for him, and you just buy it. So when, the, when Christmas last year ends and you come into the new year, are you really buying right through the months, January, February, March, or do you leave it for a while? It just depends. If you see something that you think someone would like... You get it. Say, yeah, yeah. you're in the shop and you see nice glasses or something like that. Yeah. Oh, them wine glasses would be lovely. I'll get them. OK, and, and, and this, is, this is your modus operandi. This is the way you go on every year. And is this yeah. something you've done, done for a number of years now? Yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and how many people would you be buying for roughly number wise about 24 25 and all those gifts no fancy now I understand that right yeah. you don't have but you've lots of other people to buy for nieces and nephews and uh, etc yeah. family members so 20 about 25 presents purchased bought already are they wrapped no ok so they're not uh, wrapped I, I have the paper but you have <laughs> 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 I just can't believe this. I think I'm going to waken up in a while and, and this is all a dream to me. So you're yeah. that organised. You have, you're you yeah. done now, finished, finito. You can yeah. relax and enjoy, enjoy now. Enjoy the Christmas season. Now. It's all for myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and are they easy to buy for these people? Well, I think so, yeah. OK. You- I think so, because... Well, give some of a present. If they don't like it, they don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Tough, tough cookie. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're saying to me. Um, I can't ask you what you've bought because that'd be given away. Somebody could be listening today and understand what they'd be getting then and then that'll break the surprise of it. Um, what about the, the other things of the Christmas season? Like Sinead was talking to me a moment ago about the tree and the decorations and the lights. When would you put those up? I'd love to put them up early, but I'm not allowed. <laughs> Well, I think that's... I'm not allowed. That's I have to wait till December, middle of... Fourth, yeah. Second week in December. Okay, so... I'm so, okay that way. Yeah, so somebody else at home says, oh, come on, hold it. The presents are one thing, but this other stuff, you must wait. Yeah, yeah coming in in June with Christmas presents is <laughs> enough. <laughs> Oh, I can't yeah. believe I'm having this conversation and the temperature yeah. near 20 degrees in September <laughs> and we're talking about this and Elizabeth Cowan has it all wrapped up. Do you, look, at hold on a minute. It's unusual to me. Good luck to yeah. you. It's the way you operate. Do you know of anyone else or other people who do this as well? No. You're <laughs> the exception. <laughs> I don't know anyone. It's crazy. <laughs> but me, me, me sister said I'd take the phone out of Christmas. But she likes the Russian and yeah. Russian and all that. I know what, yeah. I know what I you mean. Fun well, you uh, know, everyone's entitled to their views and live and let live. That's the, w- the way I look at it. Look, when you yeah. think about it, Brown Thomas opened their Christmas shop at the end of August. You know what I mean? There you go. The toy shops are in full flight already uh, with the Christmas season. So maybe you're not that crazy or that out of step. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you think about it, it seems to be getting earlier every year. So... If you see something between now and Christmas, here, this has just crossed my mind. You think, oh, do you know what? I think he or she might like that a bit more than what I've got for them. Do you ever change your mind? It does happen, but it just goes in with the parcel. Just oh, they get some more. Some of them end up with more. Oh, yeah. you see. So yeah, there could some be of them a... get more and some of them get less. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there could be a Brucey bonus for somebody. So you still yeah. will keep your eyes and ears open uh, coming in between now and, and the weeks ahead before it does come into the real rush. So most yeah. of the, the rest of your family and that do leave it into December, sort of last minute, yeah? Uh, Christmas Eve, yeah. What? Do you know Christmas a Christmas Eve. Eve person as well, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that's my sister. That's what she'd do. So you are poles apart. Totally. You are totally. the one... I have to be organised. OK. And she's last-minute Lucy, is she? Totally. 
totally. <laughs> Isn't that amazing to have, you know, the difference uh, uh, two ends of the continuum in the one family as well. But look at whatever rocks your clock, whatever suits you. Do you like, well, I suppose it's a stupid question. I take it you like the Christmas season, do you? I do, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'd be overly fond of it, but I like it. I get through it the same as everybody else. Yeah. What's the best thing about Christmas? Um, I think seeing their faces when you give them something. And, yeah. Again, the fancy part with the kids. Yeah, of course. Pieces, the nephews and all that. Yeah. The yeah. usual. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't be overboard in the one, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you you enjoy it. Anyway, the best part for you, Elizabeth Cowan, is having all the shopping done before I've the end shopping done. of September. What's your no sister's rushing, name? Anne Murray. Anne. Anne. Yeah. Get a move on, will you, Anne? Anne Murray. <laughs> Give yourself a bit of a lash there this afternoon. Look at your never, sister. Never hurry, a Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're dead right there. She lives yeah. up by name and nature, she is. Oh, totally. When you, when you think yeah. of it. Anyway, I thank you for taking the call because I know you're getting your hair done this afternoon. Is that right? I you're am, in the hairdressers yeah. there. Where are you? Up at the Bind Shopping Centre. All oh, right. And is that your regular haunt there, yeah? Yeah. Oh, nice. Anyway, enjoy. The the, the ladies love to get the hair done. For uh, me, for me, it's a different conference. story. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it <laughs> lovely? Isn't it lovely? Anyway, thank you so much for taking our call, Elizabeth, this afternoon. I really appreciate it. No bother. Thank Take you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, my God. Isn't that just something else? You know what I mean? To think that that lady has it all done. All done. All wrapped up. Bye. The end of September, Sinead Brass. Well, I'm very jealous of her. I feel like I really need to get a bit of a move on. Like, you know, because like, no, Jerry, I don't look at that face. I don't like the 22nd of December like you do, rushing around like an absolute lunatic. Oh, well, I do I'm like to be organised, you know. Yeah, you know that before, from working with me. I, I, I'm I organised. Like the week before, you know what I mean? Oh, no, no, no. Sure, all the good stuff be gone out of the shops. Hi, Jerry. My daughter-in-law went Christmas shopping and like that lady, she has all... The Chris, she has Christmas wrapped up already, Jerry. Everyone sorted, done and dusted. That comes in from a listener. Just text us in. You see, she can go round now to Christmas markets, maybe, or she can, you know, take a real chill while everyone else is running around like headless chickens, including you, Jerry. No, no, no. Look, look, I am, I, I am late with the shopping, but I don't leave it that late. I like to be organised in the final week. You know what I mean? The weekend before that, you have a week run into Christmas. I'd leave it to that, to be honest with you. Maggie Maguire came down and scolded me. Didn't she did, she, she did, yeah. Our Maggie came down and said, I never knew the G in GK, that's my initial, stood for Grinch. Grinch. Yeah. Oh, she just she just hit me in the solar plexus. Well, you plexus. see, Maggie's on another level altogether. She'll keep the tree up till March. And the Christmas lights are up the all Christmas year round. The Christmas lights are still up. The little lights, she told yeah, us, yeah, that yeah. she's up all year round. Maggie Maguire is Mrs. Santa Claus. I'm yeah. telling you, she really is. She just loves the festive season. She really, really does love it. But she came in anyway and gave me a little bit of a uh, belt. Look, when I tell you, isn't it something else? People, different people, different ways. Early shoppers, late shoppers, you name it. You know what I mean? It's whatever uh, suits you and whatever you've done in previous years. If you're happy with it, good luck to you. Anyway, let me tell you, the Headford Arms, you know, this big weekend that's coming up this weekend, Sunday, two to six, the new wedding packages and the launch of the newly renovated bridal suite. We have an overnight stay for two people, a bottle of Prosecco and dinner at the award-winning Vanilla Pod to give away a silver anniversary, 25 years it is. Thank you so much to everyone who got in touch. They piled in the answers there. I'll tell you who's going along to the Headford to enjoy their new, beautiful new uh, suite there and dinner 
and Prosecco. Emer O'Brien, Tully Allen, well done to you. It's yours this afternoon on Late Lunch. Thanks to everybody who entered. That's it for this Thursday afternoon. Have a lovely evening and we're going to leave you in the company of Tony Braxton. I love this one. Take care. See you tomorrow for final Late Lunch of the Week, 1.30.
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes with fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.